But Thanksgiving is, a, is an American holiday, a true American holiday, because you don't see it anywhere else in the world. And there's an amazing story behind Thanksgiving, and it's more than just the pilgrims being saved by the Indians. Um, there are some people there that, um, that if it wasn't really for the act of God's mercy and an individual that chose not to become bitter, but be, chose to be someone that was giving in nature rather than taking, uh, then what we would, the, the settlement as we have, as we know it historically uh, in Plymouth would have not made it. And um, the story goes like this, and I just want to read it to you. In the early 1600s, the Wham, the Wampanoag Indians covered the coast of what we now call New England. Some of us are from New England, and right now there's a lot of snow there, six feet of it. Um, these Indians, they raised crops, and they lived close to the ocean in the summer for seafood, and then moving inland in the winter to set up hunting camps so that during the winter they could have food for their families. So their encounters with the Europeans over the years was mostly friendly. So this was during the 1600s, and you know that we know that historically a lot of Europeans uh, were moving here, and their encounters with the Europeans was mostly positive relationship. But for one exception, in 1614, uh, Captain Thomas Hunt captured several Wamponeg Indians along with a Patuxet Indian called Squanto. Now, how many have heard of the story of Squanto? Now, I know that there is a Walt Disney movie out about Squanto. I think it's kind of old, but it doesn't tell the real full story of this young Indian, Squanto, and how he rescued the, um, these settlers. So these um, Wampanoag Indians were captured by... Captain Thomas Hunt was who was a slave. He was a slave um, slave trader, and he also captured this Patuxet Indian called Squanto, and he had them set up to be sold into slavery in Spain. But in the process, and this is the way God always works, in the process, a Spanish monk, a Spanish believer, someone who really knew God, um, bought Squanto's freedom. Squanto was for sale at the slave, slave trade arena. And this Spanish monk said, I will buy this young, this young Indian. And so, he, and so he purchased his freedom and he taught him English and introduced him to Jesus Christ. And so he led this young Indian to Christ. And we could see God's redemptive work here already beginning with Squanto. In 1619, Squanto returned to his native land. So in the meantime, what had happened was is that Squanto was, was um, brought all the way across the world. He had suffered many different things. Uh, there's a lot that had happened to him, a lot of reasons why he could have become bitter and unthankful. But he had received Jesus Christ as his Savior, and God was working in his life. And through every dark experience that Squanto was facing, he had this hope in Jesus Christ and he had a secret. He had a secret in his heart that he knew that God was a gracious God and that everything in his life was going to turn around for the good 
and for the purpose of God's calling. And he understood that God loved him. And so God eventually brings him back home, back to his home native land. And in 1619, he comes home only to find his entire tribe is wiped out. Everyone is killed. They are all murdered. Well, not murdered, but they died because of an epidemic. They all were gone. And that happened to many Indian tribes because the Europeans brought with them um, diseases and viruses that the Indians did not have immunity system that could handle that had never they had never faced that before ever in their history and so they all died and so he made his home there where he used to live with the Wampanoag um, area where they were lived but in the meantime in 1608 a British group called the separatists and we know the story they moved to Holland they meet the Puritans they all come over to Plymouth, and that is where they um, land. And in uh, as they're coming over on the Mayflower, the separatists, which were called separatists, were joined by those seeking the new land for another reason, and these were called the strangers. The two groups, 102 together, all together, they were called the pilgrims. Their journey lasted nine weeks in one of those quote-unquote accidents which changed the course of history, the ship lost its course and landed far north of its destination at what we now called Cape Cod, Massachusetts, once outside the territory covered by the king's charter. Isn't that interesting? That they were no longer, where they landed, they were no longer under the territory of the king's possession or charter. Isn't that interesting how, God's, how God works? You know, we... These pilgrims set out to land uh, somewhere in Virginia or that area there, and they were blown off course in the, in the sovereignty and the providence of God, and they land in Cape Cod, which we call Cape Cod today, which is outside the king's charter. And so once they were there, they became responsible to set up their own small government, and they wrote a set of laws called the Mayflower Compact. How many remember that in school? The Mayflower Compact. Okay, two people. All right, I don't even remember it that well. But spring brought unexpected relief with the help of a noble and generous Christian brother, Squanto. So here they are living in the Cape Cod area, and they are suffering. Many of them, many of them died because of um, starvation and poor conditions. But God brings Squanto into the picture, and... He taught them how to grow corn, use fertilizer. Now, remember who Squanto is. He's this young Indian man who received Christ. He was the only one in his tribe that survived. His entire tribe was decimated by an epidemic. Isn't that interesting? You look at Squanto's life and you say, what a sad thing that he was, he was traded, he was brought into the slave trade and he lost his freedom as, a, as an individual. But look at this, how God's plan always in the end has a redemptive um, ending to it, that Squanto, not only was he going to be saved from this epidemic, but he was also going to be the one who brings uh, the provisions to this young, small, fledging uh, colony of 100 people from the Mayflower with Christian foundations to set up a, 
a Christian God-fearing community. And so he brings them, teaches them how to grow corn, use fertilizer, how to hunt deer, and to catch fish. William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth, wrote of Squanto that he was a special instrument sent of God for good beyond their expectations. And so their first harvest was good. Governor Bradford proclaimed a day of thanksgiving to God, and the pilgrims invited their Indian friends. Chief Massasoit and 90 members of his tribe came, along with Squanto, (coughs) bearing venison, wild turkeys for all to share. Together in harmony, the pilgrims and the Indians feasted, played games, ran races, and showed their prowess with bow and arrow and musket. Isn't that amazing how God's providence in his plan always brings about redemption? And in the beginning, things may look very, very harrowing, something that may not look very promising. But in the end, and it could actually look very, very tragic. And sometimes when we look at the plan of God, there may be a, that bitter pang of tragedy that we see at the beginning of the plan. But if we if we stick it out and we don't throw in the towel and we just trust the Lord, God will take us all over the place, but he's going to bring us back home with a message and with a capacity to really be used as an instrument. And the, the glory here does not go to Squanto, but really we see that Squanto is really a vessel of the Lord. He's an Indian that is used by the Lord to rescue these brethren. And I was, um, I was just looking at the um, the principle of, of thanksgiving, and not only thanksgiving, but the whole subject of thankfulness. And um, there's, you know, around this time, many times in thanksgiving, there's a lot of talk about being thankful, uh, things that we can be thankful for. But I want to look beyond that, and I just want to look at um, something that was done a study that was done by someone who's not even a Christian. And it was very interesting to see the results of how does gratitude impact us as people? And what are the benefits of gratitude? And there were several studies done in the last 10 years. And here are some of the results. Keeping a journal of gratitude a journal of gratitude. How many have ever heard of that? A gratitude journal. It should be something that's married to our prayer journal. I know my wife and I, or my wife, um, had a prayer journal when we first got married. Uh, she was praying a lot when she first married me. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of requests in that. And, and uh, we were packing, and I found it the other day. And, and, uh, and you know, one column was all the prayer requests, I was in there a few times, I think. And then the other side was the dates and the time when God answered those prayers. And it's amazing that God answered every one of those prayers. Not immediately sometimes. Sometimes we were like, oh my gosh, it's what's happening. But God, and she wrote the dates and how God answered it. And, and then there are some times when God didn't answer the prayers and she wrote that and God did not answer this prayer. But later on, you could see that God does address that and he answers it. So, Keeping a gratitude journal, which is great. It's great to have a little gratitude journal. Caused people who participated in it to, number one, 18% had fewer physical problems. 
19% spent more time exercising, 10% had less physical pain, 8% slept more, <laughs> and 25% increased their sleep quality. Isn't that amazing? The gratitude, what that can do for us, just being thankful. You know, I was driving here tonight, and people get locked into their life situations. And I was just talking with Bill earlier. Life sometimes can come on and come at us full force, right? Amen? And it just pile everything all at once. You know, it's in two weeks, two days, what could happen to a person, you know? And you could just be amazed, like, how much more can happen to me? And, you know, things can pile on us, but, and we could become a prisoner to that. Think of your situation tonight. I don't know what's happening in your life today. Think about where you're at, your pressing need, your pressing situation. And think this, that I could be a prisoner to that, right? We think about it all day. My health problems, my domestic situation, my finances, my car, my family, or my personal problem. That could lock us in as a prisoner, right? It could lock us in. We could become locked into that situation. But there is an exit out of that. And the exit is in Romans chapter 7. And I want to read this in closing. I promise I'm not going to preach a long message to you. I really promise that. So I'll be done in a couple hours. Just bear with me. Romans chapter 7. Um, and this verse came to my mind as I was driving here tonight. And it says this. Paul is really in a prison of his old sin nature, of his problem that he's struggling with in his personal life. He's in prison, and he's crying out the whole chapter of Romans chapter 7. He's like, I'm in so much trouble. Who is going to deliver me from this mess that I'm in? I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do those things that I want to do. And he said that I am really a mess. And he comes to this point, and he says this, in verse 24, he cries out, like many of us do, Oh, wretched man that I am. Do you know what wretched means? We know what that means, right? Wretched. That's pretty. Even the word in English sounds like what it means. I guess there's a word that when you say a word and it sounds like what it means, there's a term for that. I don't know what it is, but what? Automatopita. Oh, wow. What? Automatopita. Automatopita. Okay. Give that boy dessert or something. <laughs> that mean, when, when it sounds like what it means. And so Paul is saying, I am such a wretched man. What a mess I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And what does he say? What does it say in verse 25, the last verse of chapter 7? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when he said, I thank God, in the middle of his situation... The next chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, one of the greatest chapters, I think, of the Bible. When, when Paul maybe didn't even get an answer to his situation. Do you hear what I'm saying? Paul, did not, Paul may have not even gotten an answer to his prayer request. But he started to thank the Lord. He just started to thank God. He said, okay, I thank God. I just want to thank God for this in my life. I want to thank God for that in my life. And he, he began a... a a, a complex or a cycle of thanking God for things. And when we begin to count our blessings, like that old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one, 
it's time we pull out those old hymns, hymnals and read that. Um, I got a hymnal at home, and I just sometimes open it up, and I just read the words of the old hymns. Count your blessings, count them one by one, and see what the Lord has done. And you know, when we start thanking God, and we just start thanking God for different things, it may take a few minutes, but when we start thanking God, even if our list is only three, three items long, <laughs> start thanking God. That is the exit from the prison of panic and the prison of fear and the prison of difficulty and the prison of personal failure. Just start to thank God. And when we thank God, that is just when we are reciprocating grace. And I'll finish with this. Reciprocating means I receive something and then I give it back. I receive and I give it back. That's called reciprocation. When I receive grace and then I begin to thank God, and I begin to thank people, and I begin to live in an attitude of gratitude, then what happens? I am no longer a prisoner of my difficult situation. When you and I begin to thank the Lord, not just for fantasaical things out there that we are stretching to try to think, thank God for your health today. Thank God for your job today, whatever your job is, even if it's you don't like it. Thank God for your family. Thank God for your church. Thank God for this meal. Thank God for everything that's happening in our life. Thank God that we live in this country that sometimes we don't agree with the politics. But thank God we live here. And when we start thanking the Lord, God breaks open those prison doors of just bondage to our problems and bondage to our, our same old sob story that we could all, all be very sad about. And we start thanking God for things then that is when we become no longer prisoners of our situation. We no longer become victims, but we become people that really reign over our situation. And, and when times are really tough, we can say, you know what, God's faithful. God is really faithful. And I'll, There's a lady um, that uh, you may know, she's a pastor's wife, um, Debbie Horton. And uh, Pastor Duke Horton was here. He's from York, Pennsylvania. You know that Pastor Duke Horton has really had a lot of very, very difficult physical problems. They don't even know what it is. But in the meantime, his wife, I mean, she almost loses her husband a couple times. She's eight months pregnant, and her mother almost passes away. Every, I mean, financially, they're having a very difficult time. And, you know, the whole time, I'm just, Gosha and I are looking at this lady, and we're thinking, you know, who is this amazing person who just is able to thank God for circumstances? Many times when you see a great blessing or a great revelation of Jesus Christ in a circumstance, it's because there's someone in the middle of it that is just thanking the Lord for just who the Lord is, thanking Him for His nature and His promises. So I just want to end with that, that this Thanksgiving season, I know we have church tomorrow and we We'll talk about maybe that a little bit more or something else if the Lord leads. But, you know, during this Thanksgiving season, isn't it, isn't it odd that there's a Black Friday after Thanksgiving? Isn't it just so odd? It's just so odd to me that why is there such a dark day after a day of just such gratitude and thanksgiving? And I think it's really just the... the, the um, I think it's just the world system's idea of how to counteract such a blessed day. So really what we could do, if I could give you an assignment, this is not church, this is not class or anything like that, but 
you know, if you could just, during your Thanksgiving, my wife and I do this, we always try to kind of list things that we're thankful for. And it's good to sit down with your mate and say, you know, I'm really thankful for this and that, you know, and really take the time to, and to your family to really thank God, thank them for, because you know what, when we thank people and when we bring, when we are thankful, it brings grace into the picture. It brings grace and grace, the grace of God always expands horizons. It always expands people's, uh, expands our tunnel vision. It always expands our prison cells that we, these invisible prison cells that people live in. So let's be thankful and just sit down and hear from God. Because when we start to thank the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's when the prison doors open and that's when we're really set free. Amen. Amen.